Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey there, before we talk to Cliff Schechter, let's talk about home title lock. Deborah's home was stolen. And I don't mean thieves stole stuff. I mean, scammers literally stole her home. The FBI calls home title theft one of the fastest growing white collar crimes. This story is why you need home title lock. Deborah says criminals found the title to her home online and filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned it. Wait, it gets worse. Deborah also says she was convicted from her own home and 85 grand in equity disappeared, gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily. Friends, this is why you need to get home title lock because no insurance or bank protects your home from title theft. First things first, go to hometitlelock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim and don't know it. Then sign up to help protect the legal title to your home so you don't end up like Deborah. And to get you started, I got 60 risk-free days of protection free to you. Go to hometitlelock.com, hometitlelock.com. That's hometitlelock.com. And now, let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, February 5, 2020, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Today, we welcome back to the show my friend and colleague, Cliff Schechter. Cliff, along with John Aravosis, co-hosts the Unprecedented Podcast, patreon.com slash unprecedentedpodcast. Listen wherever you get your pods. You can also follow Cliff on Twitter at Cliff Schechter, C-L-I-F-F-S-C-H-E-C-T-E-R. Links for everything in the description at BobSeska.com. Okay, we're going to talk about the Iowa caucus, Trump's State of the Union disaster, Mitt Romney's decision to vote to convict Donald Trump, and so much more. Meanwhile, if you like what you hear today, please support this show by subscribing to our Patreon page at BobSeskaShow.com. All right, here comes Cliff. Hello. Hey, Cliff, it's Cleta Mitchell. How are you? Cleta, <laughs> how are you? <laughs> she, 
I mean, no, I, I, I thanked her for making my career. It's still incredible. I think that's how I originally got to know you. Yeah. It was like that, that viral clip from 2006. I often think back, you know, timing is everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was pre-Twitter age. Who knows where that thing could have gone. But, man, I think that reached – there were two different versions of it out there. One had like half a million viewers and one had like – 200,000 and it was like, you know, early Facebook and people emailing it to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's amazing just, because, uh, I, you know, it's one of those clips that I look at on a regular basis. I'll just go and say, uh, you know what? I got to watch that Cliff Schecter, Cleta Mitchell clip again from MSNBC in 2006 because it's so great. Awesome. I, in fact, I had to show it to, to Kimberly the other night. Is oh my god, have you seen the Cliff Schechter Cleta Mitchell clip? Because it is to me, I, and we always go back to this clip, but to me, it is one of the best hits that I've ever seen on cable news because you were unbelievably relentless against her, and she had nothing to say. I mean, you you just completely shut her down. We need more of that on cable news. I'm throwing that out there. I'm throwing that out into the universe, see if we can get you on uh, MSNBC or any cable news network again. Well, thank you for that. First of all, a couple things along these lines. Um, One is when it comes to that, you know, um, I, I, I just, I never understood. I don't go in and if people know me personally, like I'm not a hostile guy. Um, I don't go into things looking for a fight. In fact, I actually in regular life kind of in mm. conflict averse, which is you'd find funny. Like I just, I, I like getting along with people, sure. whatever. But when I deal with people in bad faith mm. who are liars and say nasty things, you know, like the kinds of things she was saying, I had one clip that didn't do that well. It was with that, right-wing pollster John McLaughlin that had some hits too. Like I, I just, you know, uh, I can't listen to it. And Brad Blakeman, oh God, that old sack of shit. <laughs> I remember He's that become one. like a big Trump guy now. He's a big Trump, he was a lobbyist or whatever. Like I, I just couldn't sit there and listen to them lie. And that's why I very much understand what Nancy Pelosi did last night. When you sit there and they lie about stuff and they twist things and they're completely dealing in bad faith, you know, that's just my reaction. And so, you know, I wasn't, I never knew that that clip would go viral. I never planned anything. I just, it drives me crazy. I'm sure it does you too. You know, when you, when you watch some of these, these guys on TV, when like certain pundits or interviewers let these people off easy, when they sit there and they lie, like Chuck Todd, like, so what color is the sun? You know, and people respond, red, green, purple, yeah. black, you know. And, oh, well, it could be yellow. I mean, like, I, I can't stand that. Yeah. So uh, it was just, it was a natural reaction. It was all just passion. And I guess I had the, you know, I read up on stuff because I kind of knew what we were going to talk about. And there were so many Republican scandals. Gee, sound familiar. <laughs> um, that, you know, it, it just kind of, you know, I'll admit I had a moment of like almost osmosis where at one after the other kept flying out. And I'm like, where's yeah. that even coming from? <laughs> But, you know, we all have moments we get lucky and uh, yeah, yeah. you prepare for things and sometimes it just it, it clicks. And so that thing, I think it had like 700,000 views or something. And I'll say, yeah. you know, the shame is I think it hurt me with MSNBC because especially at that moment in time, they didn't want, you know, loudmouth liberals. We expect that from conservatives. That's still the bias that hurts us. Nancy Pelosi rips something up. It's terrible. You know, Donald Trump mocks a guy who's disabled or you know, tweets out Adam shit or whatever. And it's like, Oh, okay. And and it's not just Donald Trump. I mean, yeah. Ted Cruz and Carly Fiorina get up on a stage and, and, and during a Republican debate with millions of people watching lie about a video that doesn't exist about a live baby being aborted. Mm. Some guy wanders into a Planned Parenthood who's crazy in Colorado Springs and shoots people quoting what they said on that stage. 
But that's, I guess, okay. That's just considered okay. But it's just terrible that Nancy Pelosi would rip something up. So, I mean, it's those expectations of us. And that led to my probably getting invited on MSNBC a lot less. I also moved off the East Coast, and I know that's some of it too, and that's fine. Um, And every once in a while, when I write a piece for the Daily Beast that goes really big, and they're willing to pay whatever the fee is to get the satellite up and have me come in from Cincinnati – you know, this happened a few years ago where I actually had to go on the Today Show and Lawrence O'Donnell's show and a few others because I'd written up this piece. You may remember the case of this nine-year-old girl who the, the guy hands over a, a, like essentially a machine gun to and she shoots her instructor by mistake oh, and yeah. kills him mm-hmm. on a fire because no nine-year-old girl should, in, should be handling a freaking machine gun. Of course not. And it was sort of a metaphor for how ridiculous we are about guns. Mm-hmm. But I'm generally not invited on as much. But I will say – uh, that it hasn't led me to be bitter or like angry at MSNBC, which I think is the whole raison d'etre behind Glenn Greenwald's entire U.S. His stance on everything in the United States politically is that Rachel Maddow stopped inviting him on. That's right. That's um, one, that's a. You know what? You're not wrong about that. That is a pretty big aspect because I think Glenn Greenwald feels like he has been rejected by an ally i think he considered uh that's correct rachel maddow like one of his click but she's really not in, in many many ways she's n- never been part of glenn greenwald's click but she is a fair-minded anchor who likes to hear right. from different points of view the other thing she doesn't do anymore is she doesn't host a lot of quote-unquote political analysts she has on experts, members of Congress, every once in a while an author or something like that. But very seldom does she have on someone who is a paid political analyst. Only on rare occasions does she ever do that. And so I've never looked. I mean, I've never once been on her show. I was on her radio show back in the day. And, uh, you know, I've never once been on Chris Hayes' show. And Chris Hayes is actually, I've been friends with Chris for years. Um, I've been on, O'Donnell has had me on a couple times uh, because the gun issue is a big one to him. And I've written some things, probably been on his show three or four times. I've been on MSNBC daytime. You know, the last sort of half dozen years, I've probably been on MSNBC half dozen times. And that's okay with me. But I guess the point I'm making is, would I like to go on more and do stuff more? Sure. But it really takes a kind of deranged being to say, oh, my God, I haven't been invited on Rachel Maddow or Chris Hayes. I'm going to now hate the whole Democratic establishment and blame them. It must be because I'm writing pieces critical of Obama mm-hmm. and privacy and, and, and just turn that into like literally you're, you're defining your entire world view now because you're angry at people because they're not giving your narcissistic personality disorder the obeisance it, it apparently deserves yeah see you, um, you need to and, get you need to get with the times cliff because in these days what we do is we carry around our grievances as part of our identity and then we also try right. to categorically reject anything that had even the most minor glitch in the process and this of course that's right is going to lead us to, I want to come back to the State of the Union address, but this will be a nice segue into talking about what happened in Iowa, not only in terms of the app or whatever technical glitch that they had, but also the cable news reaction, which I absolutely believe set the tone for how everyone kind of reacted to what happened in Iowa. Because ultimately, what we're talking about here is a technical glitch that had redundancies as far as backup reporting of all the caucus results. So all they had to do, which is exactly what they did, is to take some extra time to breathe slowly and to count all the votes, which is what is supposed to happen in these cases. So ultimately, the only crisis here is 
Cable News didn't get to report the winner when they were assuming that the winner was going to come down. So what they had to do is uh, in place of having, you know, victory speeches and analysis in terms of who's leading, who's got the momentum going into New Hampshire. Instead, what they had to do is vamp for hours and hours and hours and hours in the middle of the night and then into the next day and then into that night. And so that irritated them. So any chance they got, I saw uh, Brian Williams yesterday, any opportunity he had to shoehorn in a crack about how the Dems are in disarray and they screwed up Iowa. He took that opportunity, didn't he? say that while parachuting from an airplane (laughs) over a war zone while eating a hoagie and whatever else he said he did back in the day? Yeah. He like, you know, I can't help it. If Brian Williams is going to attack shit, I'm going to make fun of Brian Williams. Sure. But you're you're 100% right. I mean, look, first of all, from what I can tell and like I – just the technical stuff just turns me off to that point. Like I'm not going to sit there and, and, and become an expert on an app that I don't give a fuck about. So yeah. I, I don't, I, I don't know all the ins and outs of it. Was, I, what I read, were there some, uh, some reporting errors or where did it go? Did it, the app shut down or something? Maybe you know this better than me, Bob. I don't know. It seems like there were delays. It seems like there were issues. It's like, well, you know, that's also known as democracy and mm-hmm. shit happens. So, of course, I made jokes about it, made fun of it, and we all do. Yeah. And that's fine. I mean, that's, you know, but but you get these two groups of people then. The, there's one, the people you're talking about, which are the unbelievable wankers in our society who absolutely have to have everything on demand the damn moment they want it. How do we not know the answers? I need to be able to talk about it on cable. I need yeah. to be able to do this. I need to be able to do that. You know, and, <laughs> and, and that is their priority because that, of course – that grievance, you brought up grievances, of course, before, comes before actually reporting in a democracy correctly and getting it right. Mm-hmm. That's the first group. And then the second group, and I'm not going to, I'm trying not to say the candidate's name who most appeals to these people. I'm really trying. Um, <laughs> the conspiratorial loons, yeah. who, of course, have to jump in then and be like, that app is connected to it. The, the guy who runs that app donated to Pete Buttigieg, so it must be Buttigieg who's doing this on oh, purpose. God. Or Joe Biden, because Biden had a bad night, he must be doing it, and he's behind it because the Democratic establishment and, and somebody was on the board who had given money to Biden, you know, and all that bullshit starts coming out that this, the, the conspiracy mongers who remind us of the Tea Party on the right, on the left, who are who are just want to eat their own mm. and, you know, are, 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 if, if, if you don't agree with them it's my way or the highway and we'll just burn it all the fuck down right. and they start taking over twitter with these breathless ridiculous conspiracies and the problem these days is just twitter refuses to police any of that you can you don't need to have a name or, or a face attached to anything you do which i don't think should be allowed on, on any platform like that Agreed. because it just encourages this kind of behavior and you know before you know it like we've, we've got we've got the internal you know democratic the Democratic Party wars going on again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, this is all, it's just fucking exhausting. It yeah, really is. It is. It is. And uh, the other aspect to all of this, the other angle on what happened in Iowa is, as I said, the cable news coverage, which. Again, what that did, I think, because everyone's tuned in to cable news and we're all watching for the election returns to come in. I think very few of us were right. just exclusively reloading the New York Times live coverage page. I think we were all watching television. And when television right. is telling us that X and Y and Z are an unmitigated disaster and why, oh, why do we not have the results yet? Of course, many of us hit social media and go, why, oh, why are there not results? Oh, God, this is so embarrassing for the Democrats. Not only 
did the Republicans screw up their Iowa caucus in 2012, where we didn't have a result right. for days and days and days on end. And in fact, the third place popular vote winner, Ron Paul, who ended up in third place, ended up winning all the delegates in that uh, particular caucus. So don't and that t- doesn't even include the ones that voted for him from Vladivostok. Yeah, and, and don't forget in 2016 Sorry. when the... <laughs> When the Republicans couldn't organize you the, my he's a Russian joke. No, no, it took me a second, but I got it. But the other thing is, I mean, remember in 2016 when there was that train wreck during the introductions before a debate when Ben Carson yep. didn't know when he was supposed to go out, and then Donald Trump walks up and they get all jammed up, and then Jeb Bush blows right past all of them, and then a few more people come out. No one knew what the hell to do. The Republicans. Republicans screwed up the introductions to a debate. And so you now have today, you have a bunch of Republicans, including Donald Trump, including Junior, who are saying, oh, my God, how are the Democrats going to run the country? They can't even run the Iowa caucus. Well, the Republicans couldn't run their own introductions to a debate. They couldn't walk out onto stage in the correct order. I mean, if we're going to use that. I mean, obviously, not only is that all so obviously right. Yeah. But again, it's Donald Trump and and and, and Donald Trump Jr. who've literally been banned from ever running a foundation or charity again in the state of New York because they can't do that oh, honestly yeah. or competently. Right. Right. So it's like you know, and uh, you know, Trump University, and you know, and, and, and all the various aspects of every of every policy. Trump can't even staff most members of his administration. I mean, we've got we've got yeah. you know interim heads of this and that. I mean that that they could even make that charge about anybody just shows where we are, mm-hmm. you know, and again, it's the media's fault. You are exactly right. I mean, when, when I was making those two points, that first group that I was trying to refer to, I don't know, maybe I wasn't clear, was exactly who you're talking about. The cable people who are like, we must have results immediately. We oh, must, yeah. you know, yeah. they're, a key pro- they're a key part. But then the media has to come in again because the Republican Party at this point is a cultish clusterfuck of incompetent people, of grifters of just plain evil autocrats like the the exception among them is the competent compassionate decent person at this point in time and so we have a media who doesn't believe their role is like it is in science or sports or weather or to give you the best possible information and report to you what's going on they believe their role is to give you balance so you have to search for Democrats screwing up the Iowa caucus and play it up like it's the biggest freaking, you know, like it's like the biggest earthquake in the history of politics because because they've had to report so many Republican fuck ups yeah. that they now have to make it like it's both sides. Just like they've had to report so many cruel and indecent things Republicans have done and do on a regular basis that when Nancy Pelosi rips up a piece of paper, whether you think that was civil or not, whether you think she should have done it or not, I think that you could take either side of that and that's fine. But either way, whether you think she should have done it or not, it's not a big fucking deal. Mm-hmm, but right. they make it a big deal because it has to be because this guy's putting kids in freaking cages, you know, and, and, and he's and he's lying about brain injuries to our soldiers at bases at wars. He starts with Iran for no reason. So when you've got that base level of evil, they have to find something evil she did so she lived up her speech. It's yeah. just as bad. That's right. That's right. And we knew this was going to happen, too. We knew that what was going to happen is that uh, Donald Trump would rack up thousands and thousands and thousands of examples of complete and contemptible incompetence. And yet right. <laughs> you take one thing. 
uh, you take Elizabeth Warren writing Native American on uh, a form for Harvard 30 years ago or whatever it was, and suddenly that yep. one little thing takes on the same level of, of importance as the myriad Donald Trump things just because cable news feels like they need to, as you said, they need to project that kind of balance somehow. And so it's they are emails. Yeah. But for, but for, you know, it, for, it, it's Hunter Biden for Joe Biden. It's the Native American thing for, for uh, Elizabeth Warren, as you just said. They need to find something else. And they'll find a couple examples because, shocker, we've all done things before. We've all screwed up things. We've all lied right. about certain things when we were ashamed of them. We're human beings. We're not perfect. Nobody mm-hmm. is. The difference is is that your job as the media is to give people fucking context and let them understand that what that somebody could have on a on a hundred point scale somebody could have committed committed some bad acts worth a three or a four and the other one could be a ninety eight point nine seven eight and that doesn't mean they're they're the same yeah. but they, they they seem to think that that you know they none of them would admit they did a damn thing wrong with the emails it wasn't that they didn't learn a lesson they didn't think there was a lesson to learn. Right. They think they did what they were supposed to do, which is to give people no context and no idea that one guy was probably in bed with the Russian mob uh, and, and had been laundering money for years and had committed all sorts of crimes, had ripped off contractors, ripped off people working for him, fired people left and right, took away health insurance from his ailing you know, brother's son, mm-hmm. is a, a cruel retribution to him, and a million other things like we wouldn't have the time to name here. And somehow Hillary's emails and a speech to Goldman Sachs were the equivalent of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and, 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 they, and that's what they're doing with everybody else mm-hmm. because they still can't seem to grasp what we're dealing with here, which is you know, an authoritarian movement that, that in the end has killed many democracies in the past and will in the future again. And they're, they're, they are failing at their job to yep. protect us from it. They really are. So what do you think? Uh, should we shit can the Iowa caucus coming first in the uh, series of primaries? Should we shit can the caucus process? Or should we uh, shit can all of the above? Or should we keep them? I mean, I'm of, I'm of the mind putting Iowa first with a weird caucus seems like it's outlived its time. That's just my that's yeah. my take on the whole thing. You know, it's like these certain other things that we do, these weird patchwork things that, that sort of develop over time, mm-hmm. you know, and you get to the point where you're like, oh, my God, that's a vestige of like the 1870s. Why are we still doing that? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I would actually even be OK if, if if people feel like there's a sort of historic traditional role for caucuses. You know, in in this process that makes them feel like, you know, they're at a town hall meeting in New England or something. I wouldn't even have a problem with them doing that as well as a primary. I think using a caucus alone to judge who uh, who wins, I think, is a really bad idea. Mm -hmm. And I think the person that sums it up better than me is Ari Berman, you know, who talks a lot about voting rights, uh, who sent out and talked about it disenfranchises disabled people because they can't get between the different meetings you have to get to. Uh, you know, for for a caucus to work, it disenfranchises people that work weekday nights, who often are people that are working tougher jobs and have to work tougher hours. Mm-hmm. They can't go. Right. You know, if people who I mean, there's all sorts of people that are unable to participate in this process. Yeah, true. People, I mean, a lot of people based on money. Are there people that can't afford to actually hire a babysitter? There are plenty of them mm-hmm. to go to something like that and put that kind of time in. So I, I don't think a caucus is a smart way of doing it. I would also add in. The groupthink aspect of it is always dangerous to me. Uh, you know, there was that one story that was going around about the guy that showed up 
um, to to maybe caucus for Klobuchar and maybe caucus for Bernie, which, by the way, is an interesting combo just to begin with, um, but wasn't sure and then got upset because neither of their people approached him, but somebody from Buttigieg's group approached him, so he ended up caucusing for Buttigieg. Yeah. Now, is that the way we really want to choose our president? No. Like, that group didn't talk to me. Um, so... I, you know, for, I think the caucus system in general is outlived its usefulness. Yeah. And if you want to have it as more of like a like the where there are straw polls at places, if you want to have it more as kind of like a fun Democratic add-on to a primary, I'm okay with that. I think that no state should have that as their only process. My opinion. Right? Yeah. Right. Right. But it's, to me, it's criminal to have that to have it be the first one. Yeah. In a state that is disproportionately older, whiter, rural. And Christian and conservative uh, and what do you call it, evangelical Christian? Mm-hmm. Does any of that sound like the Democratic Party to you? Um, no, 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 no. Uh, it, I mean, it couldn't be more unrepresentative of, of our party. Right, you know, right. I got nothing against Iowa, but it's not. A, you know, I've kind of wondered for a long time now how we kept winning there. It's not a state that is representative of us at all. I mean, you know, and and so I mean, it, it just it makes zero sense. Yeah. If they wanted to keep Iowa. Here's something I would do if you want it to be a primary, have it be a primary, keep New Hampshire, keep Nevada, keep South, keep South Carolina, add a state in like the Northwest somewhere. Mm. And so every region of the country, and if people want to argue, I'm missing a region somewhere, pick one, but, and, and have all five or six of those on the same day. Yeah. Right. Cause there's just no reason why one region of the country or one state gets to pick who our president is. It's not fair. It's ridiculous. And it's even more ridiculous when it's predominantly white, older states. Mm-hmm. So throw in Nevada with its, with its Latino po- and Latina population, throw in South Carolina with its large African-American population, you know, start doing that. And I would be fine with if all five of those were on the same day on a Tuesday, if we had an orderly process where we went Tuesday to Tuesday, maybe even take off two weeks in between if you want to give people more time to campaign and blah, 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 blah. But then, you know, or and it doesn't have to be on Tuesday, Monday, Saturday, I don't care. Mm-hmm. But point being, um, you know, have it be so that we do these, re- to me, five states, four or five states from every region of the country every Tuesday. So you prove that you appeal to a variety of groups, you appeal to a variety of regions. I think that would be a much more fairer way to do the whole thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I tend to lean toward being a uh, political traditionalist. So uh, sometimes I, you know, I just go, well, we've always done it this way, so let's keep doing this way. But the problem is, is that there are certain parts of the process that are outliving their necessity. Like, you know, here's another example of why the caucus process is so bizarre. Like, I noticed this come down the other night as as everything was happening in Iowa, that someone reported that uh, there was a caucus goer who was there to caucus with, I don't know, it was Joe Biden or Pete Buttigieg or something like that. But then because Andrew Yang showed up at the caucus location and said hi to this person, that person then started caucusing with Andrew Yang. So that that's kind of right. weird. I mean, everyone has their own reasons for supporting a particular candidate, but that seems awfully thin. Like the guy showed up and said hi, and so therefore you're suddenly caucusing with that guy. That seems very strange to me. I mean, I don't know why in this country we just can't go with uh, a winner-take-all popular vote. I mean, the, I mean, the Republicans do that for their primaries, don't they? Don't the Republicans do a winner-take-all primary? Uh, throughout? I think so, yeah. Yeah. And I think we should do that, too. Forget all this other stuff. You know, do, do winner-take-all, but, you know, you could... It, it, you could you can also, obviously, for purposes of media coverage, blah, 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 you know, it doesn't mean like you don't pay attention to who comes in second, third, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Sure. 
You know, I mean, if you wanted to look at who has some strength or stuff like that, I think that's worth doing. You also could do ranked choice voting, which is now in Maine in mm-hmm. actual elections, and I think could be a great way uh, of making sure that that you know you don't that people who who are less popular don't end up getting all these sort of second choices and winning. And so we make sure that, that, that everybody gets to pick their first choice or second choice, not to vote strategically because I don't want that person or this or that. I mean, you know, ranked choice voting is a great sort of, I mean, I know you say about being a traditionalist. Look, man, I was all into the West wing. <laughs> Love yeah. that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, my background was history as somebody who had studied for a PhD and then was too lazy to write a dissertation because I'm an asshole, but that's a whole other story. Um, but, but I mean, you know, I love the history of, of, of our democracy. I mean, obviously with some serious problems with aspects of it. So I'm okay with that, but that's why I feel like I'm trying to work within it to make it better and not sort of say, screw you, Iowa, New Hampshire, we're not doing anything with you. Right. But maybe saying, well, you know, South Carolina has always been an early one too. Nevada's an early one. Why don't we put them on the same day so one doesn't have outsized importance Right. Um, over the other and say, we're also going to add in states where other voters who are core, core parts of the Democratic coalition are represented. You know, I just think there are ways you can reform without totally throwing everything out and make it so that it's a fairer process. Yeah, yeah. And that's I mean, what I would like. With the, with the existence of Donald Trump narrowing the demographics of the Republican Party, the Democratic Party is growing larger and larger and larger as far as the demographics inside the big tent. And it seems to me as if primaries or even caucuses, for that matter, that take place in states that are more representative of that big tent, I think would be more effective in terms of uh, especially the early primaries. But where are you right now, Cliff, with the uh, Democratic field at this point? Are you leaning in any particular direction? Um, I am not sure at this point in time. <laughs> Welcome um, to the club. I know that I, I know that there's people that I am not leaning towards. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, look, I've been very honest about my reasons why I've never been a Sanders supporter. Yeah. Um, I don't fully agree with with his policy prescriptions, but I don't think in his time uh, in office, he's gotten near accomplished what one would expect one to get accomplished if they worked with others and did sort of, you know, sometimes feel like they're just sort of yelling, screaming at the moon. Mm. Um, and I don't think that uh, the people he surrounds himself with uh, who are and, and the kind of vicious nature of, of, you know, you say one thing and these folks attack you. It's a purism, you know, type thing that reminds me of very bad. Reminds me of authoritarianism. I'm just going to be honest, and I, I don't like it. I liked Elizabeth Warren for a while. Um, I still like her, but I, I think she, she made a tactical error and jumped in with sort of uh, into the Bernie direction, mm-hmm. and that made me less interested in her. Um, I'm not sure about Biden right now. I kind of like him, but uh, you know, he faltered a little bit. I'm willing to see. But, you know, I'll say the thing that uh, probably will make a thousand people hate me, maybe more, which is I'm becoming warmer and warmer to Mike Bloomberg, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Not a surprise. Um, Not a surprise as far as your your position on guns, because Mike Bloomberg's been extraordinary on firearms and gun control. So, I mean, my position on him is he's been extraordinary on, on, on gun control. He's been a leader, uh, especially with his foundation on climate change. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was an incredible manager of New York. I, I would say he did terrible, you know, like any other. I, as I've said, people are not perfect. Stop and frisk was, re- was really, really bad. It was awful. 
uh, he's done other things that I absolutely don't agree with. But again, I'm not getting married. I'm looking for the person that best represents my values. Yeah. And the thing is, with his resources, his ability, as he's shown in recent days, to take Trump on directly and not cower and go after him in a way that leaves a mark. Um, and the issues he emphasizes, guns, climate, these are these are the things that actually appeal to me. He's come out with a lot of progressive proposals. And I guess in the end, look, man, I just want someone who can win. Yeah. Um, I, I don't I don't need to read the book How Democracy Dies, you know, any more times than I've already read it to know that that um I want somebody who I think can win the most votes because we start going down this road and I think it's a dangerous place to end up with Trump. And right now my thinking is that I think Bloomberg has you know, is at least showing some some metal, let's say. Yeah. So uh, you know, I like Warren still, I like Biden, I like Bloomberg. Um those would probably be the three, and I guess it just shows people, you know, I'm not looking at this fully ideologically. I think they all, at this point, if you look at their positions, are left of center. They're all going to going to, to at least, you know, allow people to have the option to get to get into Medicare. They're all uh, people that are in favor of criminal justice reform. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, they're all in favor of smart climate and gun policy. So, you know, that that's kind of where I am. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure. Well, you mentioned be the best way of putting it. You mentioned Bloomberg's advertising, which has been stellar, not only in terms of content. And I think he's winning over a lot of Democrats with the content of his ads. But he is spending a fortune of his own money, not just on his own campaign, but down ballot races as well. He's as your friend John McCain used to say, he's spreading the wealth around. And that's a <laughs> that's a welcome change of pace, isn't it? Well, that's important yeah. because they're going to lie about. Look what you know, I mean. Does the people need more evidence? No, they're going to make things up. Lie. What people forget now, Bloomberg said he'll spend a bunch of money no matter who the nominee is, and I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. But if he's the nominee, he's not going to let any charge go unanswered. And the thing is, is sometimes we have to because we don't have the money to respond. Right? Wouldn't it be nice to not be in that position? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, uh, in my ideal world. I don't want a bloom. I don't want a billionaire to have to be our nominee either. Yeah. I, I fought for and worked for numerous groups, even campaign finance reform and public funds and matching, and so that we would have equal access to funds. But we know their dark money is going to come in in a huge way. It, it is. It always does. And yeah. so these are. You know, I'm not going to just ideologically blind myself. I need to, to make strategic calculations about who I think has the best chance to win. Mm-hmm. And and that to me right now. You know, Joe Biden, for whatever else he he probably has, still has a huge hold on the African American community. Uh, probably a lot because of 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 the the appreciation of the fact that he stood behind and served admirably and loyally the first African American president. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's to be taken lightly. His his you know his kind of well of support with African Americans. I don't think Bloomberg's money is to be taken lightly. I think these are all things that are important. So, you know, uh, uh, that's where I am. And I agree. I think the content of his ads has been excellent. And, you know, down ballot matters. And I'll say that's one of the other things that, that's always bothered me about Bernie is do you think there's going to, I mean, he doesn't consider himself a member of the Democratic Party. Right. Is he going to build the DNC if he's our nominee? No, he's never given a cent, by the way, to any down ballot Democrats in Vermont. Mm-hmm. Is he going to do that this time? I have just, I have no belief in that he's going to build anything beyond himself. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Bloomberg's already put $60 million into every town, which is going to be fighting their elect senators and members of Congress. He's given money to state Democratic parties, and he's done all sorts of things that tell me that he gets it, that it has to be on, you know, that a presidential win is nothing if everything else is controlled by lunatics. Mm-hmm. So 
I don't know. Where are you, Bob? I'm kind of interested in where you come down in all of this. Man, you know, here's a, a little bit of a secret, and I haven't really been all that public about where my preferences are. So I, I'm really leaning toward when I walk in for the Maryland primary, whenever that is, I think it's in April or something like that. I'm going to be walking in and pulling the lever for whomever is uh, most likely to to beat Donald Trump at that point. So that's where my choice is. I will tell you this, that, and this goes back to what I was saying about a secret. I, I, you know, I keep going back to Pete Buttigieg. And, and I, I'm not Interesting. Dis- I didn't even I didn't even think to mention him. And he, he did impress in yeah. Iowa. I will say that. Well, he's really impressive whenever he's talking. And every time I hear him speak, whether it's in a debate or whether whether it's in a cable news hit or what have you, I always go, huh, that's really strong, especially for someone who's merely the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. This guy is really polished. And if he doesn't get in this time, I think he's got a hell of a future ahead of him. I think we will eventually see, if he doesn't win this year, I think we will eventually see Democratic nominee... Pete Buttigieg. I think he is at least going to be a Democratic uh, presidential hopeful deep into the future because he's got many, many so, yeah, years Yeah, I like ahead a of lot him. about him. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, I'll be clear. The reason I don't think of him sometimes and why maybe I haven't uh, made him one of the top ones, is I, I, actually, I do worry about anybody who hasn't run a large bureaucracy and how they would come That's in. True. He's an incredibly yeah. capable and smart guy. Yeah. So I think that, that, that you know, as long as he's open-minded about it, I could see that maybe he can come in without the experience to do it. It's just, it just does seem like a huge leap for me to go from mm. South Bend, you know, not even the biggest city in Indiana, I yeah. in the top three. But, but I am very impressed by him. I do think he will be a nominee in the future. And he's absolutely someone I could support happily in this race. I just think I would rather have somebody who has shown experience you know, in some of these matters, but I totally respect your, you know, yeah, I oh. respect it obviously, if, no matter who you like, but I, I respect why you like him because a number of my, of, of my friends uh, are, are big fans, you know, and, mm. and I will say this, the fact that it looks like, I guess, do we even know yet? It looks like he won Iowa, yeah. um, you know, by, by a, a bare, a small margin, but that doesn't matter. He won it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty excited that we're in a point in time where the fact that somebody who is openly gay won Iowa and it's not, it, not even something people felt like needed to be discussed because we've, we've come that far. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that they were passing gay marriage bans in the 2004, you know, election. <laughs> I remember that. Are, so. mm-hmm. nope. Okay, we'll get back to Cliff here in just one second. But first, imagine this Valentine's Day story is all about you. You're parked outside a restaurant where you're meeting your date in a couple of minutes and then glancing in the mirror... You notice all your wrinkles and large under-eye bags. So you rummage through your bag thinking, where's your secret weapon? And there it is sitting right there, your canister of Plexiderm. You apply the clear serum under your eyes and boom, two minutes later, you start seeing the under-eye bags and wrinkles disappearing right there in your rearview mirror. You'll look so many years younger. Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags in just a matter of minutes. It's the Valentine's Day gift you give to yourself. Go to triplexiderm.com and enter the code VOICES for 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. Again, enter VOICES at triplexiderm.com to get 50% off plus an extra $10 off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning the code VOICES. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee, so get your special discount by entering VOICES at triplexiderm.com. Deborah's home was stolen. 
No, I don't mean thieves stole stuff. I mean scammers literally stole her home. The FBI calls title theft one of the fastest growing white collar crimes. And this story is why you need home title lock. Deborah says criminals found the title to our home online and filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned our home. Wait, it gets worse. Deborah goes on to say, I was evicted from my own home and 85 grand in equity gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily. This is why you need home title lock because no insurance or bank protects your home from title theft. First things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if your home's title has been tampered with. You need to protect the legal title to your home so you don't end up like Deborah. Go to HomeTitleLock.com now for 60 risk-free days of protection. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. The Bob Seska Show. Are, are you aware of the Lincoln Project? I, I'm interested to get your take on the Lincoln Project. It's basically the group of never yeah. Trumpers. It's uh, George Conway and Rick Wilson and Tom Nichols. Somehow Molly Jong Fast is in there, even though she's a liberal. But I like. I know Molly. She seems to get involved in a little bit of everything. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad they brought in a, a liberal into the mix there uh, with the Lincoln Project. But they have been putting together some of the best ads. I mean, this yeah. these ads are giving Mike Bloomberg a run for his money as far as nailing Donald Trump and Donald Trump's disciples. There's one that targets Cory Gardner. If you get a chance, oh, go look I at the one that... Like, like, you know, the impotent weak. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, it's like the, right in the middle, they say, weak, frightened, impotent. Right. <laughs> it's amazing. So, uh, yeah, more like is. that, please. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, I've I, I followed the Lincoln Project. Um, I would say, here's what I would say of that whole group. I don't know George Conway or, or Tom at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Molly quite well. I know um, Rick Wilson a bit. Yeah. Like, he came on our podcast, and you know, I've had a conversation with him on Twitter here and there. The one, ironically enough, who I actually know quite well and I consider a friend, which you'll find funny because you brought up McCain before, especially with my McCain book, is John Weaver, oh, yeah. who was McCain's campaign manager in 2000. Mm-hmm. And he's been pretty much the guy that runs the campaign for the moderates in the Republican Party. And sadly, can win on state level, but but on presidential level, he ran Huntsman's race and Kasich's race. And I mean, I, I wouldn't even call Kasich a moderate; he's conservative. But the ones that are reasonable and at least believe in the Constitution. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And and John's just a great guy. I mean, we started talking about various projects because there's some things we thought we were maybe going to work on together. Um, and you know, I I, I love his passion and I love the fact that, that these guys care about the country. They're stepping forward. Do I agree with never Trumpers and everything? Absolutely not. Do I think some of the things they did in the past uh, helped contribute to the atmosphere we're in? Absolutely. But yeah. again, none of us are perfect, you know, and, and you know, nobody has, has, has is, is blameless in this. And, and I'm not saying it to make excuses, you know, because a few of them have done some particularly bad things, mm-hmm. you know, and said things that really bothered me. Rick Wilson certainly did in the past. But at the same time, like, again, you know, go back to that book, How Democracies Die. When democracies survive authoritarian movements, it's when everybody comes together against that authoritarian movement. Right. And right now, my interest is in, is in preserving and improving upon our democracy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they get that politics is psychological warfare. They get that people want to be bucked up and given confidence by people on their side. They don't want mealy-mouthed sort of crap that makes you feel like, is it my side even confident in themselves? 
And this is the thing that just that drives me nuts. There have been exceptions where there have been some Democrats who've done a great job with ads. Uh, I like to think my new firm, my partner Greg Pinello, has been, you know, has been it's some of Obama's ads, it's mm-hmm. incredible ads. Yeah. But you know, at the same time, overall, I just don't think that we've been willing to, to to be tough enough. And that's why you look at those Bloomberg ads, you look at those Lincoln Project ads, and that's why I can't help but be grateful to both of those groups because they're taking them to the woodshed. And it's not just not just a it's fun for me and it's a psychological release because i enjoy seeing donald trump get smacked around metaphorically it yes that's part of it but if it didn't think it was accomplishing anything i wouldn't care as much i do think it is because i do think it appeals to a number of people who are sickened by trump and and aren't sure the democrats are tough enough and really that's one of the decisions they make in who they choose for government whether you or i or anybody else likes it or not and so I, I really do appreciate what they're doing. Yeah, and you know, the thing when I see these ads, the first thing that pops into my head is, God, Cliff and I used to make ads like this all the time. And and some of them were rejected right. because they were too harsh. And now th- there are ads running nationally at this point that are way more harsh than any, anything we ever came That's up right. with. You and I made a couple that went viral. You know, we, we released them online and, especially hitting the NRA back in the day and some of that stuff. And I mean, you know, that's what you need to do. I'm sorry. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, everybody says something. This is what I, why I said I worry about groupthink that takes place, um, you know, at caucuses. The same thing in focus groups. Everybody will sit there and say, oh, I don't like that. Yeah. But but then you see them all vote a certain way. And clearly, clearly they do, don't yeah. they? Right, right. Um, if you ask anybody in a, in, a, you know, in a survey if they're a racist, are they going to say yes? Probably not. Most there are a lot of racists out there. No. So when people say they hate that kind of thing, I mean, I'm sorry. A lot of people want to see, you know, and these are not just people who are who are clearly progressive or democratic or whatever. Like us, these are people that aren't sure, but they want to know that somebody that, that is tough enough to come in there and fight for their country and fight for the Constitution, stand up to bullies and whatever. And I think this sends an important message when it comes mm. to that. Right, right. Well, so uh, last night's State of the Union, great speech or the greatest speech? The greatest speech of all time. The State of the Union is the best it's ever been in the history of the world. I don't know. I, right. you know. I watched parts of it. I didn't even watch the whole thing because I couldn't bring myself to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, this is usual you know, blubbering. I think there are, there are a point or, there's a point or two there. I feel like you're one of the people that's Sometimes sat on some these things and been like, "Is he going through a dementia moment?" Yeah, um, I know. There are a couple moments there where he seemed to lose the plot and didn't know where he was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, so, that's, I mean, uh, that's because he's terrible at delivering those kinds of speeches. He's terrible at reading from the teleprompter. So not only was he grappled onto that podium as if he was, you know, free soloing up the half dome at Yosemite, but he was also. <laughs> He was also glued to the one teleprompter. He couldn't alternate between the two. And then when he did, he would flub a word. So no wonder he was sticking to that teleprompter that was on his left that also happened to be facing the Republican side of the House chamber. And so, uh, you know, it just seemed like he was unable to stand up. I mean, he couldn't stand up straight. He was just leaning on that that thing to, to keep him to keep him upright, basically. Exactly, because he's got that way of standing where he juts out his enormous freaking, you know, you know, multiple <laughs> cantaloupe gut, where he feels like he looks like he's about to tip over. You yeah, know? it's like a leaning <laughs> tower. So he, he kind of needs that thing to, 
to put his only 239 pounds on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but, you know, here's the, the other thing is, is like, you know, if it was just us watching him with all the time with the sniffles and the jerk, jerking of his body and the crazy stuff he does, you know, we'd still already be pretty suspicious. And one of our psychiatrists and others are, who watch are like, that yeah. guy is on on some form of amphetamine. Right. There is no doubt that they're giving him something for these things because he can't otherwise he can't pay attention to anything for that long. Mm. It's like, Ooh, look, squirrel. Um, <laughs> right. But, uh, but I mean, I, I also, but I, there is the one uh, producer for uh, the apprentice who came out and unless that guy's lying, which I guess is always possible say they all knew it. And they all saw it. That this guy was, was on amphetamines constantly, mm-hmm. you know, either crushed up Adderall, amphetamines, a variety of uppers. And he was doing the, the, you know, the, the, the show so there's no reason to think any of that's changed so i mean you know like he's up there and you basically got somebody who's who's you know messed out of their mind it's it's uh it, it and that's why he's gripping the damn thing so hard and body is jerking back and forth i mean again it's i saw the thir- there's a 13 second clip that they released today and all i could bring myself to sort of say when i tweeted out was like I, I still on days wake up and look and say i can't this is the president of the united states Right, like it's incredible to me. Yeah, I know. Incredible that all the systems we have in place have failed, and that this person is still standing there with just the most, you know, obvious flaws in every way. I don't think you can pick an area of life, of morality, you know, of behavior where he doesn't fail the test. Right. You can't not sit there and act like he's conducting the damn national anthem <laughs> at the beginning of the Super Bowl like he's a toddler. Right. He, he, he can't not have his body jerk back and forth and, and whatever, when he's speaking, he, you know, he can't not say things that, that about people that, that only fourth graders would use as insults uh, and, and everything else. I mean, it's like, it's unbelievable. I mean, it still is unbelievable. Yeah. And that all these people, this whole apparatus exists with right-wing propaganda and the U S Senate Republicans, whatever, just to protect this awful, clearly just way out of his death person who's serving in that role right now and you know it's incredible he was he spent a good long time talking about the alleged recovery in uh, american factories and manufacturing and i you know this is one of my things that i just it, it every time i hear him talk about his record with manufacturing or factory x or factory y getting a new factory or something like that or breaking ground on a fake apple factory that had already been built um right. it, it drives me nuts because i wish the Democratic presidential candidates would start screaming about the fact that manufacturing is in recession and the recession with manufacturing is getting deeper uh, as time wears on here and, and really hitting him for that because the Trump economy is just as bogus as his hair, as his clown makeup, as his height, yeah. as his weight, as everything else that he talks about. It is absolute bullshit. And I feel like in a certain sense, uh, not only has cable news, but also the Democratic Party has both kind of given up on going after Donald Trump on the economy. And it's really, really no, I think frustrating. you're right. And it's stupid because the truth of the matter is, is that's one of the few pillars holding him up is that people think things are going well. Yeah. Not everyone, but enough people think things are going well economically that there are people that can't stand him 
or don't like him or, or, you know, think negative things about him, you know, or, and don't pay that close attention, but they figure the economy is okay. And they think he's responsible for any of that. Mm. Instead of the fact that like, you know, the soybean farmers have literally been, had their livelihoods destroyed because of what he did with China. Yeah. That all sorts of factories, you know, cause of his trade wars and whatever that he said are going to come back, have never come back, have never done anything. Like it's just, it's all a big lie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he'd had an economy from Obama that was doing really, really well and has performed less well. The last quarter, you know, our, our economic growth was 2.3%. Obama beat that in I don't know how many different quarters. Yeah. You know, the, the, and as you point out, the manufacturing economy, as somebody who's sitting here in Ohio, you know, the, the middle part of this country is being, is being, is continually being hit by this. I think we just had the worst year manufacturing wise we've had in a decade or something of that nature. I mean, it's, you know, so I mean, no, it's not going well. And no matter how many times you try to pull it, pretend it is, uh, it's not, you know? And so, I mean, that's a real problem. Why is it that we're letting him stand on this, on this, you know, and allow this to prop him up, which isn't true. This should be Mm -hmm. in TV ads constantly. It should be in all all of our, our speeches. It should be everywhere. Yeah. Well, the the Obama average GDP growth was 2.4%. Donald Trump referred to that in his inaugural address as American carnage. Donald right. Trump's Donald Trump's average GDP growth is 2.5%. It is 0.1% higher than Obama's average. That is barely even uh, significant. This is significant in no way. It's because when Obama came into office from the last idiot Republican, he inherited an economy in massive recession. That's right. Depression. So what weighs the Obama average down are those first couple of quarters. Mm-hmm. If you look at it later on, once the stimulus is passed, once his program got started, and once it really was his presidency based on his policies, there were a number of quarters that, that surpassed 4% growth. I think three or four quarters. Oh, yeah. I, I, Donald Trump will never get that. Never. Right, right, right. So did you, uh, you know, and again, some of this stuff is not, it's, I'm not saying it's all based on the president. Some of it is based on numerous factors, but they can make it better or worse, both by the confidence they instill in the public, the policies they choose to pass. And this guy, all he's done is he started trade wars with people, acted like an in, unstable idiot, and passed a huge, ridiculous tax cut that, that went into the pockets of people that have not produced anything more from it because they're already rich, um, while, while blowing up our, you know, what was a, a decreasing deficits in debt, you know, blown us in the other direction. So he said, I mean, that's the truth of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, well, I it's, wish they would talk about it more. It's a shame because if we all, and by we, I mean certain members of the press, certainly Republicans, there was any tethering to reality. Uh, and any knowledge in terms of how trends work. When there is a trend that continues from one president to the next, the previous president generally should get credit for that trend. But if the trend changes somehow with the new president, then it's probably something the new president has done to alter the trajectory of that trend. So unemployment's going down and down and down throughout the eight years of Obama, continues to go down under Donald Trump. Who gets credit? Uh, Clearly, Barack Obama. Manufacturing, 
it suddenly drops in a recession during Trump when it was fine before that, not necessarily in yep. recession, then the blame should go to Donald Trump for that. It just makes logical sense, but we are far beyond the realms of, of logic and reality and rationality these days. Um, right. Well, I wanted to make sure I was getting it right, too, so yeah. I quickly, you know, because I, I know most of the stuff, but I, didn't, I wanted to make sure I had the exact, you know, sort of the, getting the exact numbers right, and the, I mean, they were referring to it. I'm looking at a number of publications referring to the last quarter uh, of 2019 as a manufacturing recession. And then essentially our industrial production plunged the fastest in October uh, uh, of 2019 that it had since the period between 2007 and 2009. Again, right. what was that? Mm-hmm. Obama just took over in January, uh, uh, the end of January of 2009. That was Bush. <laughs> and so... I mean, these are important things to point out. Again, whether it's all Trump's fault or not, I'm not saying it's all his fault. I'm being realistic about there are numerous factors. But to think that he hasn't exacerbated this with his with with being his you know being behaving in an unstable manner, so people don't don't want to invest in this country with his ridiculous and random and probably secretly profiting from uh, uh, trade wars, Mm -hmm. initiated for no reason. I mean, of course. That yeah. screws with our economy. Right, I mean, right. There's just no doubt. Did you projectile vomit when Rush Limbaugh got the Medal of Freedom live on television, <laughs> but the Tuskegee Airmen didn't get one? Is, was that weird to you? Uh, am I the only one who thought, hmm, maybe they should have given the Medal of Freedom to the Tuskegee Airmen they introduced rather than the, you know, the. Simply dude is over like 100 years old. Uh, <laughs> that was one of the first I purposely chose not to watch. So I didn't projectile vomit because I wasn't watching it. Oh, good for but, you. Um, you know, I mean, the thought of, I mean, we've already gotten to that point where the Medal of Honor now only goes to, I guess, you know, Eddie, what was his name, Eddie Gallagher, people who committed war crimes. or like, did he get a, I feel like they, he could have at least brought up giving him a Medal of Honor yeah. um, if he didn't do it. Uh, you know, Rush Limbaugh, somebody who literally, I think, is up there in the pantheon of, of folks with Newt Gingrich and a few others who started the whole trend that led to Donald Trump being in office, that, mm-hmm. that took a country that had divisions and always was going to have divisions, um, but essentially was a well-functioning country that had a lot of positives and a lot of people still voting, you know, cross-party lines and people working together in Congress and the rest and chose to to literally destroy destroy all comedy, all sort of uh, relationships in Washington and other state capitals to the point where we are where we are now. Um, I mean, Rush Limbaugh is, is an absolutely just a sickening and terrible human being. And as I said on, on our podcast the other day, <clears throat> I am not a, 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 I don't think I'm an evil person. I will never wish cancer upon anybody, but I will never have one ounce of sympathy for him either. Right. A man who mocked Michael J. Fox for Parkinson mm-hmm. uh, on air, you know? So no, I have no sympathy for him. Yeah. Whatever happens to him and his cancer, I couldn't care less. Mm-hmm. What I will say is, uh, I mean, him getting a Medal of Honor, you know, did it shock me? No, I mean, because, you know, nothing shocks me that Trump does anymore. But obviously, is it a, is it, is it a miscarriage of justice? I mean, you know, it'd be like giving one of the low-level Nazis uh, you know, after World War II a, a medal. I mean, that that's where we are. We're giving a guy a medal who, who is responsible for so much suffering in this country, has helped create so much of a de- divisive atmosphere. We'll never know the people that listen to his words and then chose to act out and, and go and, and, you know, these paranoid nuts with guns who claim, you know, Obama's coming to take away my guns and end up shooting cops 
Mm-hmm. I've got so many stories of that from the gun control work that I've done. And, you know, they could have been listening to Fox because they were saying it there. They could have been listening to Rush because he was saying it. The point is, all these guys were repeating these disgusting things, and it led to people dying. Yep. Um, it led to divisiveness. It led to people being hurt. And, right. you know, uh, people being dehumanized, whole groups of people. So, I mean, you know, when you've reached the point where you're getting that kind of medal of honor, it tells you everything you need to know about the administration that it, that it we're now under. Yeah, I mean, basically the standard now for doling out the Medal of Freedom is, oh, I like that guy. I'll give him the Medal of Freedom. Because right. <laughs> Donald Trump, I mean, let's face it. about me. Yeah, exactly. Plus, Donald Trump, like he does with everything, and we've all witnessed this time and time again, where the Trumps steal shit, and then they put their name on it. They spread their taint everywhere. And in this case, Donald Trump basically stole his entire act from Rush Limbaugh and, well, also Fox News primetime. But uh, mainly, like, the Rush Limbaugh platform, the Rush Limbaugh attitude is the attitude that Donald Trump has co-opted and kind of made it his own. So if I was Rush Limbaugh, I'd be like, well, not only has Glenn Beck stolen my act, but now this guy Donald Trump has stolen my act, so fuck you, Donald Trump. But of course, they don't have that kind of integrity, do they? No, of course not. No, They're no. close approaching that. But yeah. I mean, that's you know, that's one of the reasons I think Trump himself, or uh, you know, Rush himself has seen the, 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 the flowers bloom. <laughs> all the little local rushes and all the, the Rush wannabes on Fox News. And, you know, this, I mean, now, of course, it's, it's, you're right. Mm-hmm. They, they actually found a way uh, through every loophole in, in the United States possible to get this guy elected to the highest office. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, he's got the same kind of temperament as Rush. He is a in, deeply insecure, resentful, hateful, uh, racist, you know, that, that's, that's what these guys stand for. So in a way, you know, it, it makes sense that, that Trump would go and, and give this guy a medal. I mean, they're, they're two peas in a pod. Mm-hmm. Well, so let's wrap up here, Cliff. Um, so tr- Trump is probably going to be acquitted today in, in the Senate. Yeah. And uh, I think what we need to do is start wrapping our heads around the concept that, yeah, well, he was impeached anyway. He, and that impeachment will still stand. The other thing is I managed to somehow dig up an OLC memo going back to, I want to say, 2000, 2001, uh, from the Justice Department that said that uh, the Constitution permits a former president to be indicted and tried for the same offenses for which he was impeached by the House of Representatives and acquitted by the Senate. Oh, so so that means, according to DOJ, Donald that's, Trump can that's be... That's double jeopardy. Yeah, Donald Trump can be prosecuted for the whole Ukraine scam. That can happen after he leaves yeah. office. So at least... There's that. Do you do you think the next president, if it is a, a Democrat, you think the next president's going to allow the attorney general to go ahead and do uh, uh, prosecutions of uh, of Trump and his various Batman villains? I, I very much think they will. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that would have happened, you know, in the past. Um, I think that, you know, I understood the complexities of when uh, Barack Obama came into office that quite clearly people in the Trump administration uh, or in the Bush administration had committed a number of, of just unconscionable acts, torture being among them, yeah. uh, rendition and the rest. And I still think to this day that he should have had them investigate and potentially prosecute Dick mm-hmm. Cheney and others. I do think it's very hard to do it with a former president because you run into uh, a situation of we don't just want to become like a banana republic where where each next president prosecutes the one before 
all only because of their politics. Yeah. We can't do that. And, and I would have even been able to been probably willing to let Bush skate because of that as much as I think Bush should have ended up at the Hague and in prison. Uh, <laughs> just because of the fact that, that, you know, these are the kinds of things that we have to be careful about. Whereas I think yeah. Dick Cheney probably masterminded the whole damn thing. Anyhow, well, Bush just sat there and ate Cheetos and watched cartoons. So frankly, Dick Cheney and Carl Rove would have made me very happy in that administration, potentially Rumsfeld too. But when it comes to this one, um, all the evil comes straight from the top. Yeah. Yeah. And all the laws that have been broken come from the top. And he's got other people around him to break laws by, by um, extorting them. He's got allies of ours to do God knows what by extorting them, because we may know what, what happened with Ukraine in this one instance. We may have a pretty good idea what happened with Vladimir Putin in that one instance. How much don't we know? Why did why did Ivanka get the trademarks she got with China? Do we know? We oh God, yeah. yeah. Know, why 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 did, did the Saudi Arabians feel like they could get away with with killing Khashoggi, an American resident, uh, at that point in time, a journalist and a resident of the United States, where I don't think they could have would have ever thought they could do that. I, I, I've I've mentioned before, ironically, even though the only time I've ever I, I, I hate. I should make a rule about not mentioning Glenn Greenwald twice in one uh, one one podcast, much as he irks me. But I, I, I kind of mentioned on one of my podcasts the, the fact that the reason that, that Bolsonaro probably feels emboldened to go after Glenn Greenwald, Glenn Greenwald has actually helped create that situation yes! by doing so much to undermine all of us who stand against Trump because Trump supports Bolsonaro. Yeah, and Bolsonaro right? is and I, part of the Vladimir Putin circle of uh, influence right now. Correct. I mean, that's and right, that's that a fact. Sort of Duterte and, you know, the whole the group of thugs, if you will. Right, He's right. part of all of that. And the truth is, is that if we had a president in office who he, they felt like would, would stand up for U.S. citizens, even ones who differed from them politically, would say, absolutely not, how dare you, mm-hmm. um, you know, and wouldn't just, you know, wasn't transactional to the point of like, hey, will you let me put in a Trump Tower Rio? Sure, do whatever you want with Glenn Greenwald. You know, that, that, so uh, there's a little bit of an irony for Glenn, even though I would say, obviously, I never support journalists, even ones I loathe being thrown into prison. So I'm on Glenn's side on that one. But my, my, my point is, you know, is that, is that is you know you you have all of these kinds of of, of uh, um, you, you know these un, these relationships around the world and we have no idea I think three quarters of what this guy has done probably even a higher percentage of people he said go ahead and kill I don't care go ahead and arrest I don't care go ahead and torture I don't care attack them do this we don't know what green lights he gave to Turkey when he pulled out we pulled out of Kurdistan we don't know anything. Yeah. You know, compared to what he's done. And so, yes, I think he has to be prosecuted after this as much as I hate that idea as an American uh, because I care about our democracy. and I don't want it to ever turn into something where where, you know, people are, are prosecuted for political reasons. But if you can't prosecute Donald Trump for the myriad crimes he's committed while in office, before office and will inevitably commit his whole life because that's all he does, like the rest of us breathe. Then, I, then what is a justice system for? Yeah, you know? and, and I'm I'm right there with you. As always, Donald Trump makes things worse for Donald Trump, and in this case, Donald Trump right. invited investigations once he leaves office because. He has tasked John Durham and Bill Barr with investigating the Obama administration and the uh, investigation into Russia, at least the Obama's part in that in that process. And so now the precedent is gone. The new precedent is 
Oh, yes, we do. We ask U.S. attorneys to look into the prior administration because that's what Donald Trump has absolutely 100% done. And so that means the next administration is entirely welcome, as far as tradition and precedent goes, to unleash U.S. attorneys from SDNY to EDVA and all points in between uh, against Donald Trump. And so that I'm almost positive. Yeah, yeah. I think. I think they're changing their official residence to Florida from New York yeah. is, is, is really based on, on not just one thing, a couple of things. Yeah. One of it's obviously, he knows he'll be hated and he's already yelled at in the streets of New York and he'll never feel comfortable there again right. um, after, after this presidency. But I, I also, and I'm sure a second reason is they're having no state income tax in Florida is a big thing too. Mm-hmm. But don't think, you know, part of it isn't the, what we like to refer to as Florida man. And the vast, you know, insanity that is Florida, and the vast corruption, and the fact that right wingers still find a way to win there, which hopefully will change soon enough. But for right now, in New York State, you remember the Attorney General when it comes to his foundations, when it comes to other things, they're still looking into all sorts of crimes he committed in New York. Yep. Um, the problem, is, and and he could pardon himself for any number of, of things. He can't pardon himself from state crimes. Well, I think the part of the calculation there is is that they run to Florida, and, and he just refuses to. I mean, Florida will refuse to extradite him to New York. He'll refuse to go to New York. He's never followed the law before. The people he buys on corrupts him. Never followed the law before. And the thinking goes that that New York could do all screw New York. They can want to go come after him all they want. They won't be able to get him out of Florida. So that's why we actually need a federal investigation into him. Mm-hmm. We need a federal investigation into him for a whole number of things because if he's pardoned himself for the crimes that currently exist and for the crimes that he committed in the past when he leaves office, which I expect him to do, then we need to, to be able to investigate and find new federal crimes. And then, then he can't hide in Florida and let him go run and live with his, with, with his pal Vlad. Yeah. If that's what he wants to do. He has to do life. He can, he can go live in Moscow mm-hmm. or yeah. we'll throw him in prison. Yeah, you know, I'd just be happy with uh, some sort of consequence, some sort of uh, probe into what the deal is with the counterintelligence investigation. I'd be happy to hear what the upshot of that is. Donald Trump, in fact, compromised by Russia. Is everything that we're observing right now uh, indicative of of a compromised uh, president? And that is immensely well, dangerous, and we point. need to know. Yeah, we need to know for sure yeah, whether or not— point too, which mm-hmm. is- which is what, whatever, say whatever about Bush, you know, I think there were corporate interests that he, that he was more than, than happy to sell out to, to, to get campaign contributions and the rest. But he wasn't running the government in any way that I could ever tell him a big mob operation. Uh, and so when it came to afterwards, you know, you, you didn't have to sort of clean things out to the point of knowing if literally uh, a president of the United States had been acting consistently in the interests of a foreign government and against our own interests. Yeah. Bush did stupid things. Bush did evil things. Don't get me wrong. But I never suspected he was acting in the interest of a foreign government. Right. Because this guy could be acting in the interest of any number of foreign governments right now that are paying him off. You know, Saudi Arabia isn't renting whole floors, uh, you know, and he's ho- in Trump's hotels for nothing. Mm-hmm. What is going on there? What influence does Saudi Arabia have over him? What influence does China have over him? I mean, really any autocratic regime. Yeah. You know, look around the world. Sadly, there's too many of them right now. But, you know, oh, BB Netanyahu, what the hell happened there? Right. You know, Hungary with Orban, he seems to love him. What's going on there? Because, again, we know who we're dealing with here. He's a mobster. You know, Orban offers him 15% of, you know, whatever whatever state, you know, utility company or whatever that brings him money because it's a monopoly in, in Hungary. 
and could accept that and trade our foreign policy for it. We all know he would. Hey, you know, we need to know these things. Oh, you know, Cliff, we've got some breaking news here. Uh, I don't know if you've seen while we've been oh. talking, but Mitt Romney is voting to convict today. Oh, my God, he is. Yeah. He said uh, corrupting an election process in a Democratic Republic is about as abusive and egregious an act against the Constitution Holy and one's shit. oath that I can imagine. It's what autocrats do. That's what Mitt Romney, <laughs> it's part of Mitt Romney's statement today. Holy shit. So that means the vote to convict Donald Trump will, in fact, by Donald Trump's own Be standards. Bipartisan. Bipartisan, yes. Holy shit. Well, that's uh, obviously we're nowhere near the number of votes to convict. But... I'm not even seeing it on Twitter yet. Where is it? Yeah, uh, I know Greg Sargent just posted about it. It's uh, I don't see. Yeah, I don't see Mitt Romney. Oh, yeah, I'm seeing now his statement is up. So if you go to uh, Mitt Romney or Senator Romney is his Twitter handle. Uh, if you go there, there's a video up of him making his statement about all of this. Interesting. Interesting. So now also Doug Jones is going to vote to convict, um, which is, is I saw that. nice to see. Everybody listening to this, do, donate money to Doug Jones. Yes. Support Doug Jones. Doing that in Alabama, that is a that is what Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski pretend to be. Yeah, exactly. Right, is what he is. And we as Democrats, I think, need to get his back. I think Doug Jones has got a tough uh, election coming up here. Uh, the odds are stacked against him simply because it's Alabama. And I think he uh, deserves to be uh, backstopped as much as possible by the rest of us, even if we don't live in uh, in his state. So uh, good idea, I think, to uh, to support Doug Jones. Uh, Cliff, the uh, podcast is the Unprecedented Podcast, uh, patreon.com slash unprecedented podcast. You can also get the Unprecedented Podcast everywhere you get your podcast. I'm going to try to work the word podcast in here a couple of more times. <laughs> Because yeah, podcast, it, podcast, I'm you should come listen. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and uh, come follow me on Twitter at Cliff Schechter. Yes. Because, um, uh, you know, uh, I like to people to follow me so I can say fun and cool stuff and hopefully, you know, stuff that maybe you find interesting and then you get to see it. That's if you're right. following me, whereas if you're not, it just goes out in the ether and nobody knows. <laughs> That's right. And I'll put all the links in the description so everyone can click on those things and follow you everywhere you are. Cliff, thank you so much for coming on again. And we're going to definitely have you back on uh, probably in a month or two. I look forward to it. Thanks a lot, buddy. Take care, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.